welcome once again to Monty and Mickey, the geek podcast all about pop culture and uh, some some books even this for this episode. Uh, so today we're we're kind of finalizing our Christmas season, if you will. And if you're wondering why this episode's coming out so late, we actually I, I think I didn't add it up, but I think we we probably published more episodes. Uh, combined from like October till now than we had previously done the entire rest of the history of the podcast. So, and believe it or not, we we do have lives. It <laughs> might not be that evident the way we talk, but there are other things that go on in our lives. Yeah. So we uh, so we had uh, some we had a plan, and and this is kind of wrapping up that that holiday season plan. And we still wanted to do this just because we had done the research for it, and we wanted to to still get this out here, even though it was a little bit late. Uh, but and Monty's a big fan of this. Yes, yes. As much as, um, as it's much a if, if you haven't read the if you haven't read the title of the podcast, it's some people say if you just blindly clicked on a podcast and you don't know what this episode is about, this we're doing it on a Christmas Carol and all uh, not all but uh, select variations of that story and how that has manifested itself in movies and television and whatnot. Um, so yeah, as my, as Mickey had said. This is probably one of my favorite. This is is my fa- probably my favorite book, right along with the sh- the short story of um, of Gift of the Magi. Those two Christmas books stories, if you will, are probably some of my favorite. And over the years, and so when I say over the years, I'm saying from December nineteenth, eighteen forty three, when this book was originally published by Charles Dickens, and I'm not saying like he published it himself. Uh, he really did. Yeah, oh, he 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 invested his own money into this, and we'll get into that in a minute. So that must have been his first publication, obviously. I think it was his his first on his own. He had published other things. Oh, he had he yes. had already been a well known author at that point. Yes, yes, he had been wow. wealthy and well known. But he and like I said, I'm going to get into that history a little bit more uh, coming up here. But yeah, this was this was a a big deal for him. But um, so since 1843, there's been I don't even know probably hundreds. Of different versions and reiterations and a crack at it in a movie and a TV show, all that are trying to tell the same story in a way that's unique or even trying to tell it the same way that the book told it. Um, so we're going to dive into three specific and a fourth if you want to count the actual original book that uh, Charles Dickens wrote. But we're going to be covering um, Muppets Christmas Carol, which you might have you been like. <laughs> Okay, let's be, let's be serious here. This is an adult podcast. Yeah, we know you're children, but come on. Yeah. This version of A Christmas Carol is actually one of the top ten most accurate representations true to the book. And it's very entertaining. And I mean, a lot of people enjoy this movie. Lots of adults love the Muppets just because they grew up with them. And they're, I mean, they translate into adult humor and adult entertainment, too. You yep. know? And we're like I said, we're going to get into that a little bit more in a little in, in later in the podcast. But we've got Christmas Carol... Or, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol, Scrooged, and the brand new, which we had been talking about in the past, uh, FX version of A Christmas Carol. I call it FX because it, it's called A Christmas Carol. So uh, we'll be covering those three, and then I also want to um, start out that segment by talking about the book and reading some passages from it and talking more about the history of why this was such a big deal and why it is still a big deal today. Uh, but before we go any further, uh, just as, as customary, uh, we'll, we're going to be talking about some in-the-news stuff. Uh, there wasn't – I couldn't re- can't remember if there was a lot going on 
but there were some things that were kind of new or exciting. Um, so this is kind of interesting. So if you're not caught up on the Mandalorian, this isn't a, this isn't a spoiler, but somebody posted that. So fun fact for episodes eight, seven through eight of the Mandalorian, they didn't have enough costumes for all the stormtroopers needed in a scene. Okay, so they had a big a big scene with a lot of stormtroopers. John Favreau and David Fillion enlisted the help of the local 501st Legion chapter, comprised of fans with their own costumes to fill the spots. So when I first read this, I was like, "Wait a second! Like a military like base was close? No, these guys are so fanatical about Star Wars. They have their own Legion of Stormtroopers with." costumes so accurate to the movies they could use it in the mandalorian in their own personal collection in their own personal collection yes it'd be nice to have that kind of money for one thing well and i can't even imagine one of the which one of these costumes one of these suits cost exactly but if you i mean there's a picture to go along with it but this is incredible this 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 just goes to show like john favreau not only understands what the what the fans want and is producing this he has enough knowledge about star wars to realize there's a local chapter of stormtrooper legion that i can call on to help me out to film this episode like that's like i don't that means emphasize that fan himself that he even knows yes about it. that he he understands and he realizes the situation um i saw something is a picture of the lady who does cara dune cara dune She's wearing like a, a like a shiny dress at a premiere of the Sandal Mandalorian, and it says "My new favorite Disney princess" because she's you know she's oh, wearing sure. she's wearing a you know a, oh, a yeah, dress or whatever. Count, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see if anybody's into the uh, pops. The Mandalorian um, pops came out. Uh, well, just talking about that show at the time of the writing of this particular article. A rare 100% positive rating in Rotten Tomatoes. That's how well received it is. For The Mandalorian. Yeah, for that particular show. Yeah, and, and then from what I understand, these episodes similar to, what was the other, there was another movie, maybe it was, maybe it was Stranger Things, I forget what, it, maybe it wasn't, there was another TV show though that had been directed by multiple directors, and this is kind of along the same line as that, so it's good that even with multiple directors, multiple people producing this, like I think the last two Taika Waititi, he yeah. produced those, and he's also the, but the voice. But John Favreau's overseeing it. Right, right. I mean, it's right. still his creative mind that's, that's yeah. putting these in the right direction. But what I'm saying is that it's consistent enough, and we're yeah, not, not exactly. going to get into the not uh, like prequel. The okay, so. Which I did love, for the record, once again. <laughs> heavy on the Star Wars today. Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, Disney Plus series is reportedly casting a young... Uh, Luke Skywalker. So that's an interesting... We've talked about this in the past. It's really exciting to see them kind of stretch their legs and really fill in these gaps in between movies. I don't know how that's going to play because clearly... He must be a child then. Yeah, that he went and like over... Like obviously had... Like he was close enough and like made sure that the kid was getting taken care of even though he didn't know who he was. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Um, Deadpool 3 is officially going to be in the MCU. Yeah, baby! Um, so that's, uh, that's something to look forward to for sure. I'm freaking out over um, that. That's for sure. Let's see. Uh, there's also, uh, rumors or, uh, some 
talk of a Darth Maul Disney Plus show. Um, oh, yeah, I, I read about that, too. That looked pretty interesting. Yeah. It'd be they, nice to fill in a lot of gaps there. Right. Uh, let's see. I think that's. I think we're kind of caught up on all of the stuff that we had talked about before. But yeah, so some more exciting things in the in the uh, in the works. Uh, I've, I do have one fan mail uh, that we're going to be reading at the end of the podcast uh, that has some questions. So I'll save. Like, you know, talk about some of the movies that are coming up in 2020. Uh, but I'll save those for later. But let's get into this. This is such. Like I said, this this book is so accessible because it's so short. And I and I say that. Also realizing that every single year, I go and put a goal out for myself that I'm going to read a Christmas Carol cover to cover, starting January or December 1st, and end on December 24th. It's like three or four pages a day, very very easy, and I still didn't do it because it's just too busy and make fail. Yes, I failed. It it is a very short short book. Okay, even and people are like, "What? You're really talking about this?" Is a no like. Mickey is looking at. I've got a. I've it's got a copy thin. of it that um, is is true to the original text as possible. Oh really? Okay. And it actually looks like the original with the gold inlaid, um, the title, and there it, it and it was very you know that that uh, they're trying to be as close to possible. But no one's I, gonna judge you for being a slow reader. I mean, having been busy <laughs> with a newborn and right. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, no excuse to that. So. The full title of this book is A Christmas Carol in Prose Being a, a Ghost Story of Christmas. Okay, so that's the full title of a really? by Charles Dickens. Originally that. published in 1843, carefully this this particular book was carefully reconstructed with original illustrations in full color by John Leach. So John Leach actually there was illustrations in the original book so those original illustrations are in, and but this book that I'm, I'm holding in my hands I, I don't want you guys to think that it's like a first edition or anything like i got this it's from barnes cool and noble for like 15 bucks because a first edition would go for oh, well over a thousand dollars charles dickens writes is i mean the first edition so i i just want to like i said i just want to read some things uh, about this and just kind of they, like I said, they, they tried to keep it as, as close to the actual – because there's different versions. Like I've got – I'm looking at uh, the, a, a stack of books here that I'm actually collecting, Christmas Carol books. But like Scholastic has one, and they, they changed the words to make it more accessible for kids so that they can read it and understand what's going on. Uh, even a Mickey's A Christmas Carol, they're, they're based off of the TV – or the 30-minute the TV show or whatever that they had with Mickey being Bob Cratchit. That I have a, a copy of that for my daughter, but this this version that I got, like I said, is is trying to stay as close to what was actually written by Charles Dickens, including himself. the cover of the book, including the cover of the book, the placement of the illustrations, the actual illustrations are in there. Sure, um, but it's a new book. It's not obviously, like I said, not a first. So the pre preface. Pre do you say preface or preface? I think it's preface. Yeah. So preface makes you sound a little less educated. Preface. Um, <laughs> You're a preface. Uh, so this is from, this is a, a little note before if anybody, why am I explaining what a preface is? Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Shut up, Tom. What's a book? We I gotta start over. I don't know what a book is. I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season or with me. It may, may it haunt their houses pleasantly. And no one wished to lay it. Their faithful servant and friend, C.D., December 1843. Okay, 
So I just get chills listening to oh, that. that sounds like, like it's for the story already. Like he, he's, just, I, I can't. Some people no, do it, Tom. Charles Dickens was a good writer. Yeah. Get your hands on one of these. But that's get not the, the story. Get the get the Scholastic book. Get whatever version and start reading it because I guarantee you, if you're a if you're a history buff, if you're a if you're a fan of novels, if you're a fan of literature, in any ounce of the word, you will love the way that he writes this book. Okay. So before I get any further, like I said, he he published this book in 1843. He made this book, wrote it in like six weeks. Published it in time for Christmas, okay? December 19th, 1843. This book hit the shelf. 6,000 copies, because I think that was all he could afford because he wanted to do it as best as he could with every last dime that he had. He needed to get this thing to be a hit. Otherwise, he was going to go broke. His family was going to have to sell their house, and he was going to have to do something else because this was literally he had he had he had written other books he had yeah. done other things Tale of Two Cities he, David Copperfield those are all written already I I believe so but his money he, was gone he from, was he he had be, even gone on tours around the world he would he was so going to readings he made some money from those and he yes. still had it was broke. yep he was he was kind of living in a high class he had like oh. servants and he was but living he put in so much into publishing but he said this. He, this was like his last like they had to get this to work otherwise they were going to be selling their house. That that's how desperate he was to get this to actually. But because he had be that hit. much faith in it, but if he hadn't done that at all, he'd have been fine. That well, he had that so much faith in it was only his only it was his last option. There was publishers that turned him down. But he, I mean, he wasn't going broke if he just doesn't bother with this book. No, he is. Anyway, He's go, he was going to go broke. This was bro- a desperate this, attempt this to was, keep his head above yes. water. There's a TV show or a oh, movie called that. The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's an Amazon Prime, and I think it's Showtime or something. If you guys ever get the chance, it digs into this a lot more. It actually talks about him. It's a movie about him writing the book. One of the best writers of all time was that yep. close to being broke. So, so yeah. So, he was he was he he had to get this to work, and it he had this idea. And what he wanted to do was prior to this, he had – read a report on the working conditions in England at the time and how the the horrible conditions that men and women and children were working in before that like it, it was just like in 1843 like what was going on and what he wanted to do is he wanted to basically with the power that he had which was writing books make a statement that this is not acceptable we cannot have people working in these conditions we need to be more generous we need to be open up our cold hearts to other poor people and other people that need our help or that just need us to be nice to them period okay so when he he's coming up with all these different ideas but what i was gonna say is december 19th 1843 this book hit the shelves right or it was published that day whatever by there were six thousand copies made that were like like i said i can't emphasize how like I think it was like leather bound with gold inlay. Like it was a very, very nice book. Like he could have gone a lot cheaper with it, but he said, no, this needs to be good. And I'm going to invest my money in this to get this to work. Cause he couldn't get published. Like publishers weren't backing him. They're like, you're never, first of all, you're never going to write a book in six weeks. Second of all, this isn't going to work. It's a ghost story about Even Christmas. With his established name. Everybody knows. Well, and that's speaking why. Speaking of that, he's, he's wrote 15 books. Um, some of them I've never heard of, but he wrote Oliver Twist, Great Expectations. Like I said, David Copperfield. Um, 
What's the other one that I... And he, like I said, he was even touring. Like, it was like a rock show when he would show up in your city and read one of his books. Oh, Channel 2 Cities? Yeah, I mean... He'd read one of your his books and, like, a crowd of people, and, and people would, like, sell out. And they still didn't have enough faith to publish this one because he did it in such a short time. And he, in... Well, this was, like, in October or November of 1843, he came up with the idea, and then he wrote it, like I said, in six weeks. He wrote this book. So, 6,000 copies were made. Uh, Christmas Eve, so December 24th, you can do the math of how many days that was, 6,000 copies sold out. Gone. You, this was, this was the hottest item before there was like a must have item of Christmas season. This was the the, the thing that people needed. Like they realized it was such a great book. It was Charles Dickens. We need to get our hands on this. The fans were smart enough to know what they did. He actually was losing money on it. He had to sell a certain amount of copies just to break even. And so that was in the first publication, the first run of this. And that since then, they've obviously made more. And even after that, they made more. But that kind of gives a little bit of um, some, some idea of what was going on and what, 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 why he you know, did what he did. and what Because you never hear these stories. I, don't, I couldn't tell you the first thing about no. the Tale of Two Cities. I couldn't tell you the first thing about you know, uh, Huckleberry Thin or I, any of these books of these amazing writers. I couldn't tell you the backstory or why they were written. But like I said, because I love this so much and because I watched that movie – it kind of gives an idea. It makes it more important. It makes it it makes it worth more. That when you're reading this, you realize it's a desperate man who has to make this work. It has to be good. He needs this to otherwise his family is going to sell their house. Basically. And he nailed it that hard. Yeah, yep. I mean, wow. That's... Scrooge is a combination of screw and gouge. So that's kind of how he came up with that name. Some of his um, other book titles are even like Bleak Times and all. I mean, there was some some dramatic negative under or dark undertones to right. his story he was trying to make a statement with i'm sure with the other story, and this one for sure it was hey we need to be better people yeah you know exactly um and I, i'm sorry but this is also a test or a, a statement on the time mm-hmm. a guy that well known doing book tours where everybody knows who the heck charles dickens is still on the verge of being bankrupt he what does that tell you about the time it was right before he writ- wrote this book he um he didn't like the United States, but we're not going to get into that. He kind of <laughs> thought it was a dirty place or whatever. But sure. he uh, he just finished a, a United States tour, and he made the what would be the modern-day equivalent of like $1.5 million off of that tour. And he was still, just because this I'm sure to being broke. I'm sure that he got, just like anybody else, you know, got into a lifestyle. Got a family to feed. Well, he did. That's the thing. He had a, a wife and a couple oh, kids, sure. yeah. and he had servants, and, and he had posse. a nice house. And all his buddies who are living up. Oh, that's a, that's a different time. Sorry. Yeah, but but it, and that's the thing is like he like I said I can't emphasize enough that when you read this book you need to understand that that's that's where the, and I like understanding the context and, and when I even when like if you read the Bible you need to understand the context of when that was written if you yeah. read a historic document about Revolutionary War what was going on at that time. Why is this? You can't just pull this out the of economy. The, what were people's lives? What was, like? Yeah. What was the why, perspective? Where where is this coming from? And that's and that's what it, what it is. So um, there's a Charles Dickens Museum where he actually lived, and they've got like his original writing desk and like what all city that stuff. Was it? He's in London. It was oh, it's okay. in London or not London? It's in England somewhere. Right outside of London. Might have been yeah. But he so there's a there's a museum that that that's full time there. In there's a, also a New York museum, and I'm so mad at myself when I was there a couple years ago that I didn't go and look at this. An original manuscript of his notes for this book is on display at this museum in like 
Manhattan. And I wish I would have seen that. But oh, yeah. anyways, there's some some things. So everybody kind of, we're not going to go really deep into the story because the, all three of these movies kind of cover the same story, right? Scrooge gets visited by four ghosts, yep. including Marley. He's basically past, present, and future. Marley's he, telling him, hey, this is what you're, you're looking forward to because somebody's yeah. trying to change you so that Marley can go somewhere, right, basically? Well, in well, in the FX version. In the original version, he's just doomed to that life forever. Oh, so he's in purgatory, but he's warning him that, hey, these ghosts are coming, and you better yeah. understand what they You mean. need to change your life yeah. otherwise. And so past, present, and future – uh, he's got a store clerk, which I didn't realize it until I watched FX. And it might oh, have these been. aren't spoilers. If yeah, they are, you're you, kind of clueless. Yeah, you need to you need to read that book. Uh, coming from the guy who didn't read the book, um, but uh, <laughs> irony is not lost on us. Um, but yeah, so he's got Bob Cratchit, who he treats like crap. He doesn't let him use coal. Like he gives him like one thing of coal. His ink is frozen. Like, and he's got a family to feed, and he's got a, a son with with a disability. So all of that, you know, and I'm not saying that as like a kind of brush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good story. It's very complex. There's so much. I could talk for hours and hours and hours about what this story means and some of the things that, that are like evident and like the wittiness. Like like I said, I if anything else you get from this, go and watch the movies by, you know, for sure. Pick up a copy of this book because the humor that Charles Dickens really? weaves into his, it's it's. It's just perfect timing, and it's very good. And it's anyways. See, so. I've read those little those little books. I read a David Copperfield. Okay. And, but I don't know that you pick up his true writing in those right. little ones. They're, they're just for kids yeah. That it's like well, yeah, and it's just like like some of these other versions like that I got, like a version. great illustrate. Like this is you know some of it is probably directly taken from it, but it's a it's an adaptation. Sure. You know, um, so I'm just gonna read the first paragraph of the book, and this kind of sets the stage, and you can just tell that he. Like, I feel like he got into writing and he was just like, I, I need to get this out on paper. And, like, he had just so much boiling over. But so this is so this is a Christmas story, mind you. It's, a, it's about it's about Christmas time, but it's a it's a ghost story. So stave one. So there's stave one, two, three and four, I believe five. There's five staves they are kind of broken out the same way like a play would be. I think that's what that means. But sure. so the first one's called stave one Marley's ghost. Marley was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whether about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know, of my own knowledge, what is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have inclined myself to regard a coffin nail as the deadliest piece of iron mahogany in the trade. But wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and my unhowled hands, unhowled hands shall not disturb it, or the country's done for. You will therefore permit to me repeat empathetically that Marley was as dead as a doornail. He goes on that long to explain. So, so and, and, the guy's not with us anymore, and this is what dead as a doornail means. But the point that he's trying to make in this at the very beginning is you need to understand this guy was dead, otherwise everything else, and he even talks about like how in uh, Hamlet, if uh, if you if you didn't realize that the, the dad was dead or whatever, yeah. that that none of the you just think that he just came he just came to the town. 
that this is ghosts. These are ghost stories. This is something that yeah, these people are actually dead. These aren't just people lecturing him because he's a bad guy. Right. These are ghosts coming to, to send a message to him. Um, and so then I'll, I'll save. I got, a, I got two or three more little little sections that I'll save for the end because I want to I wanna just read some of the things, like I said, directly from the book as best as I can. Uh, but let's get into let's get into Muppets Christmas Carol right away here. So surprisingly, and I'm gonna I've got a list of what are the top well they did like top twenty five, but I'll just do the top ten of the versions that follow as close to this. Like I said, this movie follows I noticed it because I've read most of the book, if not all the book before. They take lines directly from the book. Like oh, yeah. when they ta- start out where Gonzo's like when it, well, they change it Narrating. to Marley's. There's two Marley's yeah, or whatever. Because it's the Rizzo, Muff- Rizzo yeah. and Gonzo. So it's Rizzo, like, as they're breaking the fourth wall, first of all, yep. which, genius. It's kind of narrating. Yeah. They're narrating this, and it, and it makes it so that you can come along this journey. It's not just let's throw you into the story like, hey, you've heard of Charles Dickens, right? Like, this really genius guy. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a history lesson on its own. Like, he, they're educating the audience while telling this story. And goofy stuff happens to those narrators as the movie goes on. Exa- it's still a Muppets movie. They're Muppets, it's yes, still exactly. it, well, and that's the other part of this. Jim Henson had passed away before this movie. I believe it was either it was I think it was his son who produced this. So this was kind of like a love letter so I, I get the feeling for his dad. dad sure. Yeah. Um so like I said after after he died, Dickens and Rizzo, Rizzo break the fourth wall like I said and they they just educate and there's so much that's close to this that like close to the book. I love I love it when they do that because I can tell when their their lines are made up for the story or they they've kind of changed things and I can tell when lines are directly taken. Like some of the lines from Scrooge and some of the lines that um from this. Dickens or um whoever the the other guy not Rizzo the other Gonzo. Oh, Gonzo, yeah. That's they're reading that like that's oh, yeah, from the book. Him. He's referring yeah, to himself he, as Dickens in the right, movie, though. Right, you're not Dickens. <laughs> I am Dickens. Okay, Dickens. Uh, but uh, like, it's just like I said, this was a very good. They they stuck close to the original script very well. Uh, did you notice that this is Michael Caine? Yeah. You know, Alfred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't think of a better Englishman. Well, and that's, gentleman. that's I mean, what I read is uh, this is the first Muppet movie to use humans as main characters. This is mm. the first time they actually did that for a Muppet movie. And I haven't seen a whole lot of Muppet movies recently. I, I've seen some of them, obviously. Like, but like I like Great Muppet Caper and, you know, the Muppet, Muppet Treasure movies, Island. Some of the older ones. Yeah. Oh, see, I'm talking about the original. Like oh, the first oh. couple, three of those. Yeah. I've got cartoon glasses. That's one of my collections based on those movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so there's, yeah, there's more history to that that I haven't even there's really dug into. That, we could do a whole episode just on Muppet Jim Henson, yeah. you know, on Muppets. Exactly. But, uh, but w- I liked that. I liked that they incorporated it. It wasn't all Muppets. It wasn't all humans. They incorporated it. So it's like you're walking down this, you know, is it 17th century? Would it be 18th, 19th century London? What, what would it be? 19th, 19th century. 19th century 18th, London. 1940s. And you see cows that are Muppets. You see rats. Yeah. You see, or Mies, Mises. Mises. Well, speaking of that, um, this is the first um, Muppet movie where movie sets were actually built to accommodate the Muppeteers. Okay. Which, what I can't of, imagine. Imagine what kind of much of a pain in the butt it was before that. Right. You, know? you try to get them off screen. you see Kermit walking and stuff. 
yeah. I guess it took a lot of people to get yes. that to look normal and, yes. and realistic. And I think I think part of that there might have been a little bit of CGI and there might even been some stop motion, but I think for the most part that was real puppeteering. When was this movie? Like the eighties? Uh gosh, I don't even yeah, if you want to look it up. But uh but yeah, but I guess the point that I'm making is I like that they incorporate like it doesn't bother Michael Caine Scrooge that nineteen ninety two it was. Okay. It feels like nineteen ninety two. Sure, yeah. Um but it doesn't bother him that his his uh, clerk is a Muppet who's, you know, which I, I, I draw the same parallels to Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Just like Mickey Mouse was Bob Cratchit, um, Kermit the Frog is Bob Cratchit. Yeah, like, of course. Like Kermit the Frog, and they even do that in the credits. I don't know if you noticed that. It's like Kermit the Frog as Bob Cratchit, not yeah. the guy who plays Kermit the Frog yeah, exactly. as Bob. No, it's the, it's, it's like that, that character. So I love that about how... Like even with Mickey, like hey, not that that Mickey, but oh, not that Mickey. Oh my bad. Sorry. Uh, that it's Mickey Mouse playing a character. So it's like these personas are actors, not yeah. like they're just actual a, living like, people. They're a they're a persona who's playing this, you know, yeah. in a movie in this. This Muppet world. is a real thing. Dang it. Well, and, and so that I, I don't know if this is a good part. I, I just talk about this in Disney, but uh, when asked when Walt Disney was asked, is Mi- Minnie and Mickey Mouse? Uh, married his response was in their personal lives they're married which means mickey and minnie mouse are, are real. actors not yeah. real oh, but yeah, they're, they're actors, actors who play sure. sometimes dating married. sometimes yeah. married though sometimes you know whatever so he it's wasn't like willing to admit it was like well character. in their personal it's <laughs> like so this is that's the way that this muppets is kind of that's the way that they're set up um but yeah so i, I like i said i this movie I've heard a lot of really good things. I originally wanted to go with another movie, like a the George C. Scott version or another, but a more original version. This, maybe. like I said, they stuck so close to the book, and people love this movie. Like, there's so many people who are like, along with other Christmas movies, I need to watch this at Christmas time, and it and it, I didn't realize its popularity until I started digging into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the wittiness. There's things I I, I wish I would have. I was admittedly watching this while i was taking care of my daughter at the same time so i couldn't write down all the things that i was thinking of but there's some very smart and funny lines like any muppet movie for one thing like the marley's he goes my name is jacob and here's my brother bob yeah bob marley yeah (laughs) it's like it's like okay and that's that's clever yeah you know so just little things like that and i Go, in, Mickey and I'm, you know, word vomiting again. But go ahead, because I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't take as many notes. But I do, obviously, if you say something, I could jog. My well, it was, just, it was this. I, I like musicals, but yep, it is nice to be forewarned that you're going to be hearing a lot of music. And that oh yeah, that's the other part of, the of it. Story are going to be it's Muppets, yeah. so they're going to sing at some point. But with the Muppets, I just I want to make a note. It's different because they're much more tolerable because you expect them to sing. But they're funny. There's goofy stuff going on, as opposed to a musical where it's a little more serious when they're right. song. Because they're always going to break in a song, and sometimes that gets a little old. But with the Muppets, you kind of expect that. The only other thing I really wanted to say was, in typical fashion with all these movies, I, I, I think I cried the same amount. <laughs> and even for a Muppet movie, yeah. which is kind of you know kid-oriented yep. to some degree, but uh, with adult humor. Um, after each sentimental blow with the moment, after each sentimental moment with the Muppets, you can be laughing immediately afterwards. They, they yeah. get you to cry at these, you know, more touching moments, and then immediately something stupid happens where you're laughing. And yeah. Laughter and crying, like Dick Vitale said, um, 
or no, like yeah, Dick Vitale, the NC State broadcaster, said that's that's a heck of a day if you can. Or Jick, I'm sorry, Jim Jim Valvano, that's a heck of a day if you can laugh and cry and all yeah. on the same day. And yeah. you're doing that within seconds of of watching this movie. You know, and so. there's a lot going on all the time. Like there's oh, you, like I in said, the background they do, and everything. I love period pieces. I love that in particular. Anyways, like I love a good western. I love a good you know 19th century London. I love that. But I love that there's like, you know, it's like okay, they're closing up the shop now, and the little mice are jumping all over, yeah, taking things down, and there's, there's, there's things going. It, yeah. it just like there's a lot. It, it's entertaining from the very start. And yeah, one more m- moment you mentioned about Jim Henson being dead. Um, I read that the shooting star that streaks overhead mm. in the background as Kermit's singing "One More Sleep" earlier in the movie. Way in the background, he stands there. He, He's looking up at the moon. And there's a yep. shooting star. Yep. That was in memory of Jim Henson. Okay. Okay. That one that shooting makes star. Sense. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, like it's I real said. subtle, but and it's during a pretty deep moment of the happy, upbeat part of the movie. Right. But right. Yeah. It was. It's pretty cool. Like I said, it, it just felt like it was kind of like this love letter, like in remembrance of Jim Henson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I've been saying, you know, they just they did a good job of incorporating the other the parts of the movie. The parts of the story that were so, you know, important that they they didn't want to take out. They they did a good job of that. And and Rizzo, and surprisingly enough, like I said, Rizzo and uh, Gonzo did a really good job of doing that. They they're delivering lines from the book as things are going on. Really, you know. Um, so yeah, that's in in. I'll talk about it maybe a little bit more with the FX version and these particular these. There's obviously Scrooge is kind of an anomaly because it's a modern day version, and it's a comedy. I mean, straight out comedy. The dialogue that happens inside of the Marley and Scrooge house, their business, is so rich. It's so smart. It's it's engaging. It makes you think. It's not just throwaway lines. Like they are talking to each other and making like he's making some observations. I mean, the the whole thing with the the cousin or his his nephew coming in and then the people asking for money coming in like this is directly from the book like i said and those those conversations were happening in the book and are very like intelligent conversations and that's like, consistent I with love all that. these versions yeah. too i mean that particular like i it kind of sets the stage for and obviously any good book or movie does this but it it says who scrooge is you realize how just cold-hearted he is um, but yeah, that's I guess anything else with this the is Christmas just a Carol. General, just a general statement about the, um, a Christmas Carol story. It, it seemed because these are based back, like you said, in the 19th century or midnight, maybe early 19th century. I think you said 1843. 1843. Yep. Um, these older movies, the grumpy miserly types were always bankers selling loans for homes. Yeah. Because that was the big, you know, that was the rich guy job, the you know the Republican one percent kind of guy who owned all the money. And he was a grumpy, you know, miserly type who only cared about money. It seemed to be that was the job, which is kind of consistent throughout these types of movies, especially these Christmas movies. Yeah, that they they had, and they explore that more in the FX version of what they were, what their investments were. But sure, um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of kind of going quick, but like I said, it's the same story told, you know, how many different times. So, um, the next movie that I'd like to cover is Scrooged, and I think I. I I guess it's it's so well done in terms of adapting an old story to modern day. If you're listening out there, which 
I wish that people who actually you know made these types of movies would listen to our podcast. I don't think they will, but <laughs> if you're making movies or you have an idea, please. I, I I don't think it's an oversaturation. I don't think that it'll be overdone. I don't think people will not appreciate it. Do a modern day, another modern day Christmas Carol. I it, it, this is that you can have so much fun with it. You can do so much. It would be very well done, I think, and it would it would be very well received if we did something with like, uh, even like a and Ryan 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 Ryan, ugh, Ryan Reynolds. That's all, folks. Ryan. English is a hard language, man. It Ryan screws Reynolds. Me up all the time. Ryan think, Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool. Would I think would be kind of a cool person to be screwed, but anybody like that, and Bill Murray was perfect. For, like I said, Bill Murray had the perfect amount of humor and seriousness. Like, like I care. Yeah. Or not, he didn't say he when when his, his secretary's like got to go to a, a doctor. And I care. Like he he delivers those so well. Because he's so the movie. sarcastic. Um, this was the first time he was forced to carry a movie too. Yeah, he, he was. Proved that he was a real he, big time actor. He was the basically the star, and it was hard on him when he was filming this movie because so many people came in and out of the studio, and he was there the whole time. He had to be there, so he didn't really get to like develop these relationships with people like he would have on like a Ghostbusters. Sure. Um, but. My dad loved this movie. He was always a big Bill Murray fan, and, and that's how I got introduced to it. Is we'd watch. I think we ended up watching like the four TV edited version when I was younger, without the swearing and you know the Kama Sutra references and all the, all that. And, and I don't think you did. You notice she was smoking a joint in the bathroom bathtub. I'm not sure I did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was smoking a joint in the bathtub before she comes out to open the Christmas Christmas presents. But oh, anyways, yeah, just little things like that. I, that there was something smoking going on. I couldn't have told you it was a joint. Maybe. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe like I said, maybe I'm reading way too far into that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So it. My dad always loved that humor of Bill Murray. I've always liked the way that this this the pacing of this. TV or uh, this movie and how how well it it just captured the essence of a Christmas Carol without it being a period piece. They didn't have to make it. No, that. but it was done nineteen eight nineteen eighty eight for the record. Yeah. So even this is somewhat old. So like you say, it'd be nice to have a newer version. I'd like to whoever. see a version that incorporates the internet, smartphones. Yeah. Uh, you know all the all these updated. things updated version. Like I said, that'd be that'd be fun. To see somebody, you know, tackle that project. Back then, though, I just I went through the list of names because I kept recognizing faces yeah. as I watched this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, and I, I've watched The Christmas Story, I've watched Christmas Vacation, all these newer, fairly, you know, newer movies in the last 20, 30 years that are funnier. I've never seen this one all the way through, and I'm just kicking myself. When you told I me that, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that, that because I it's haven't. so good. Yeah, it's and it's, so it's good. funny, and it's Bill Murray. I was, I felt like an idiot. Because yeah. I really enjoyed it. And, but you shouldn't feel... Anybody that... Like, I've got a list of movies that's like, I need to watch this oh, all the way through. Long, but, like, if you ever get to that point where you're watching something and you're like, man, I wish I would have watched it. Don't get mad at yourself. Because yeah. that just that just proves that this was worth watching. Oh, and exactly. you can go back to it again. And there are a couple other know? things to do these days. Yeah. But, but yeah. The, it, list it, of, the list of actors, though. I mean, Bill Murray, obviously. Karen Allen from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. 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 Um, John Forsyth. Everybody knows that name. Bobcat Goldthwait. Carol Kane, Robert Mitchum, John Murray, which is Bill Murray's brother, Jamie Farr from MASH, Robert Goulet, Buddy Hackett, Lee Majors, who was the $6 million man, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, which is also Bill Murray's brother, 
So that's two of his brothers. Three or four brothers. I think he's got were in the, four were brothers. in that movie. Yep. John Houseman and Mary Lou Retton. I mean, I've heard all those names. I mean, that's a huge cast of well-known names. Yeah. And so it yeah, and it and it, it they they did a good job of casting and they did a good job of playing. I mean, wasn't it his real life brother playing his brother? In the so, movie, yeah, you know, yep, yeah, the so younger one. Yep. They they had to they I guess they couldn't play off of each other because of the way that they they rec- uh, filmed this movie. They couldn't play off of each other as much as they would have. But oh God, God, brothers as sarcastic as they are. Please let a movie come out that's like the Three Amigos or something with Those the Murray guys. brothers. Oh, Can man. you imagine? Like that would be because Brian Doyle paper. Murray, you've seen everything. He's that grumpy old guy who talks like this. You know, he was in yeah. Caddyshack. He's always like the boss or whatever. So, so I knew that his his brother in the movie was his brother. Who was the other? The, the old... younger looking one, John Murray. No, no, no. Who's the third brother? Who? Because he was only in it for a little bit. What did he? What? What did he play? Um, I can't remember. I I know it was only for a little bit, but but I um, I recognize recognize him from um, sitcoms too. I didn't never realize it was his brother, but yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll look up who he was. It wasn't it wasn't the guy who was reading. No, it was. I think it was. I think it was his brother. No, 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 no. But I know that there's. His brother, who's played by his brother, but then there was the third. Who was oh, the other? Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. Who? What? What? Posi- or what was his actor? Or what? What? You know, I yeah. don't know what. What his? But anyways, um, something that I want to point out, and this is just me. And I always, I think I kind of questioned this when I used to watch this movie, but they're talking about doing a, a Christmas special based on a Christmas Carol, but they don't call it a Christmas Carol. They call it Scrooge. I don't know why. I don't know why they say Charles Dickens' immortal classic, Scrooge. That's not the name of the book. The name of the book is A Christmas Carol. So I don't know why they did that. Also, if you look at the book, that the, the leather-bound, old, dusty book that he's holding in that promo video, it's not that big. It, what is, I don't know what he's holding. He's holding, like, the Bible or something. That's yeah. not – like, I'm, I'm holding a copy of it with, like, pretty small letters or, like, you know, decent – like, yeah. th- the book is not that big. Yeah. Like, they just – they like the obviously embellished the book well, a little like bit. Like, the words are, like, like three Yeah, like, what did you put, three sentences per page? Like, like jeez. But, but anyway, so the little things like that, like, it's not called Scrooge. You know, it's – it's called A Christmas Carol. I don't like I said. I I don't know. Um, um his brother uh, Brian Doyle Murray played Earl Cross. Oh, the dad. Yeah. The dad, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which so is he, kind of ironic. It, yeah. yeah, he played the dad in the, which makes sense and they actually it actually Cuz he yeah. is older, I believe, and he looks older than uh, Bill did. It was either him or the brother actually had to like try out for i think it was the brother who had to try out for John, the part as his brother an actor yeah, yeah. He, had to, he actually had to audition can you imagine being like well i'm actually bill I'm murray's Bill's brother, brother? Uh, no, we don't care well that can you can you read this line i love you brother dearly <laughs> like uh, uh okay so I, I wonder if that picture that he framed even was like an actual childhood picture of them yeah, cool. been. yeah you would think um but like i said bill murray in this he tries to be funny while he's being mean. Like, it's that sarcastic, like, like I don't care about your feelings, but I'm also going to be like, wow, do you, do, you th- do you think that I went over the line here? Do you, do you think I pushed it too far? Like, yeah. you know, with, with uh, 
the guy who was also in Ghostbusters, the uh, Rick Moranis. You know that that character. I liked the way that that you know fit into the whole story Going too. Back and forth, yeah. um, you could also see that it's dated because he's got a tab drink, that soda tab, mm-hmm. and he's using that to mix his alcohol with. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, parallels between the original is very well done. Um, they even talk about in the book, he there's a line, and I'm not going to read it, but he basically says to Marley, you could be, you could be more of a, a bit of cheese or a crumb than, than you are of, of real life. What I'm seeing, like I could just be having a, uh, psychedelic illusion right now about what you are. It could be something bad that I ate in this one. I've been drinking a lot. You're just an illusion because I've been drinking. Damn. Bad Russian. Wow. What did he say? Bla- bad Russian. Oh, no, White Chernobyl. Russian? No, he oh, said yeah. Chernobyl infused Russian vodka. Yeah. <laughs> Chernobyl affected Russian like vodka. It's toxic and radioactive. Right. Um, and I don't know. It's just it's just so like the direct comparisons without losing the integrity, like doing it a different way. Like, and that's the thing that that I appreciate. They didn't try to make exact replica they 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 expanded on these ideas well just having bill murray in alone he makes everything funnier right that's and he's gonna ad lib a lot of his lines and stuff like that that alone could make the story different enough that you want to watch it yes like even one line where he he throws the water at a waiter because he thinks he's on fire and he says oh i'm sorry i thought you were richard pryor i've got a story to go that's a dark because richard pryor was you know he set himself on fire doing drugs one time and that yep. became a huge news story, and I mean the fact that that little that little subtle joke like that—that's yeah. Bill Murray's humor, right yes. there. Yes, and they well, there were some people that were, of course, offended oh, about of that. Of course, even but, back then. But that's that, that's exactly what you what I'm talking about is those types of things that he brings to this. I mean, even that end scene where he's just kind of rambling on on the camera, like they the directors and everybody was literally looking like. When's he going to shut up? Like yeah, he's ad libbing a lot of this. Like this is, but I'm saying when they were actually filming the movie, like oh, sure. not like playing that, that's the yeah. people that were, yep. um, that's Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got to check on this because I don't know for sure, but so you've got obviously ghost of Christmas, present, past and or past, present and future. When he gets that cab ride and it's basically a time machine, he delivers the line when he asks, where are we? And he says, where are we? You mean, when are we? I don't know for certain, but I think that might be a nod to Back to the Future. I think oh. that was a line by Doc when he went to 19, no, 2015. Oh, really? I think so. I think that That's his girlfriend subtle. said, where are we? And she, he says, you it's mean, not. when are we? Yeah, there might have been it might have been a little but it's pretty anyways. subtle, but he made a few references. Like I mean it's that, a time right? machine car, so it's yeah. kind of like a one to one comparison. Yeah, exactly. Um Oh and speaking of that, he also references Little Shop of Horrors when he says mm-hmm. feed me Seymour at mm. the end of the movie. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. It's just random stuff that yeah. it's like he's, he's just adding. He's all like, these movies. That's just Bill Murray. You know, like I, Robin Williams would do that. I know? knew that it was a pop culture reference. I didn't know where he was taking that from. But yeah, yeah. How many movies have we already mentioned that he's yep. addressing with his ad? How they're, you know? yep. Um, I want to, I want to just, and this might, I think that, I can't remember for sure what year they went to when they went back in the past, but they go to that, uh, <laughs> they go to the, the, um, the party at, at his old – well, at his work, right? The Christmas party that's going on? Yep. I just got to say, you got to love the 80s, right? 
smoking and drinking. Yeah, you got away you know, with a lot more You know, the 80s, when you could photograph your butt and pass it around to the yeah, office party. That was a nice Christmas gift. <laughs> what? Oh, is this <laughs> yours? Yes, yeah. it is. Well, kind of. Well, thank you. Can I get a signed audit? It's like, oh, my God. Like, that, you know, obviously... That wouldn't fly today for multiple reasons. That was but most decades before the yeah. 90s. Oh, yeah, the 50s. More I mean, watch Mad Men, for God's sake. Or you know. Blazing Saddles. They offend every group yeah. of people there is to offend if they want to be. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I just wanted to mention that it's like like that is not lost on us that this is this was a inappropriate thing probably for that time but that that lady was probably the hr representative like she was probably the hr secretary yeah, it was like who are you gonna tell about this yeah. oh you like um and uh it, before i go on to the next ghost is there anything else about that particular i, I like the you know the, the whole trope of that just it read well it, it was it was well done how they're going back to specific points in his life and i and i enjoyed enjoyed seeing that oh yeah i was just gonna it's basically i've just got mentioned about the specific ghosts like watching the mouse crawl out of the first ghost's head was oh, a little creepy yep. that was that cool was, that yeah was cool. it was yeah. realistic looking yep. and then um the sweet fairy ghost i think yep i was gonna present, talk about that yeah she, she's kicking his butt around the whole movie well yeah. i read that that's carol kane she hated playing the ghost of christmas present she was sobbing between takes for up to 20 minutes Without ever, ever, ever yeah. explaining why, what was going on. So she must have had some kind of personal issues. Well, I mean, if you look at it, like, Bill Murray was physically hurt during some of those scenes. Like, he was actually hurt. From her hit, from beating her, the crap yeah. out of him. And so what she I, did have some stuff going on. She was taking it out on Bill Murray. Well, and she actually tried to be a ballet. She had some training or something. And so that whole trope of her doing the little ballet dance, like, they were going to get an actual ballet, like a professional, to do that and just not – show her face during that but they liked it so much because they were making fun of her of how bad it was oh sure that they were like no we want you to actually do this and so it's like but that's kind of like insulting it's like sure you're so bad but But with her sense of humor other than what she was going through emotionally and personally i'm thinking she went okay i can do this yeah it's supposed to be a serious part of my skills but fine i'll freaking do it for this reason (laughs) and and i love that the ghost of christmas present She's trying to be nice. She's like, you know, look at this. She's but so she's like, but but she's like, then, don't listen to me. Yeah. Like, and then she decks him. Like, oh hi, oh, everything's hunky yeah. dory. Oh, and, and the mouse is running Bam. through the field. Bam. Yeah. And so it, I love that. Like it just, it feels like a mom. Like it feels yeah. like you're like, oh, I love oh, you, sweetie. If you don't go to I'm bed right now, you. so help me God. Like and it's she, just her face plays that perfectly because she yeah. looks so sweet and innocent, and then she right. just wham! She yeah. hauls out and bruises him. It, like I said, it, it, that particular character was just it. It read well. It did. She was well cast in that. Yeah. Um. The, <laughs> then at the end of it, right before he sees the ghost, like before he gets back on the scene, he's sitting in that like under the grate underground. It's like a little tunnel thing, and he goes, "This is nice." Where are we? Where are we? Trump Tower. Like oh, I don't yeah, know if you caught that. that. No. So that was a little. Well, I don't maybe know. I did, but it's it like stand yeah, it's like how long has Trump been relevant? Oh, oh God. Yeah. Um, and for I, I like the the ending, and I and they so obviously it's supposed to be a feel good movie, but at the end he delivers a line for a couple hours of the whole year. We we should try to be the people we always wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, like I said, just. Just must, you know, it, it, those types of line really deliver. And they're, they're 
make you think that they're not that comp like to think about what that means like you don't have well, to and they, they emphasize that a lot in the next version of this uh-huh. story where you know just talking about how because scrooge is kind of emphasizing that we're not like this all year round and all that kind of stuff it right. was kind of addressed in this one they, yes. they focus on a lot, a lot more in the Xbox version. That goes back to that original dialogue, or that beginning dialogue about where Scrooge is contemplating. In the book, he even talks about it. And like I said, I'm going to read some more of that here in a second. Um, but he, that the, the fact that Scrooge has this, like, really twisted, um, but but he's being trying to be, you know, realistic about it, but a twisted version of, of reality and what he thinks Christmas means and why people do what they do on Christmas. I just got to say, too, this movie must have been a blast to watch in the movie theater. Oh, sure. That ending scene where they're singing the song and, uh, like, the people actually probably started singing it in the movie theater. And he goes, okay, everybody on the left side. Left yeah. Side. Okay, everybody. Exactly. Okay, all the guys now. Yeah. Uh, all the real guys now. Yeah, yeah. You know? oh, okay, all the women. No, 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 all the real women. Like, yeah. that must have been, like, I can imagine watching this theater and in, in the theaters in 1988 or whatever it was and just, like – Having a great – like, leaving that theater with just, like, this was a great movie, and I had a blast watching this. Assuming film. people actually stayed. I, it would be nice to assume that that's what happened in those theaters. People stayed. He was telling us to sing. It's Bill Murray. Okay, I'll start singing. Okay. Right. They, do, they actually participated in it. But, uh, but yeah, that uh, – I, I know that there's a lot more – like I said, there's a lot more. Maybe in the future we'll, we'll go down to, like, two movies that we cover just because there's sure. a lot. But – the only um, the last thing I have to say is that I read that Sam, Sam Kennison was supposed to be the Christmas ghost of Christmas past, which mm-hmm. would kind of make that sense with his weird personality. Okay. But I'm not familiar with him. What else is he? He's, um, he's the, oh, wild thing, you know, that oh, guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, no, actually, I, I meant to say Bobcat Goldthwait. That's what I'm talking about. I always confuse those two. Bobcat Goldthwait was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas, Christmas past. Okay. He was, um... He's the one who talks like this, you know. I can't remember what his character. I think he was the, um, he was the employee that he told him to, he was honest with him. Oh, you're he talking about French. Rick, Rick Moranis? No, no, that's Bobcat Goldthwait. The guy who t- was honest with him and got fired. Yeah, that's Bobcat Goldthwait. That's not Rick Moranis. Really? Yep, I, I guarantee it. Wow, yeah. I, I, I'm, oh, yeah, I I'm sorry. I keep Rick saying Moranis. I kept saying Rick Moranis. Yeah, I was wondering what you were talking about. I figured oh, I was God. just missing it. No, because uh, I'm like, oh, cool. He was in Ghostbusters with him too. No, th- this guy was in the Police Academy movie. Oh. He talks like this. Yeah. This guy, well, know. his that's a character that he made up. For yeah, Saturday exactly. Night Live and people but, just kind of ran. Yeah, with but it, yeah. and in this one, he's the one who's honest, and then he gets yeah, fired. Yeah. That's okay. he's Bob Cratchit, right? Basically, I mean, I think that's who he's trying to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was supposed to be the well, ghost. Well, no, no, Bob Cratchit would be more of that his secretary with their, with his son. Oh yeah, you're son right. With her son, or, uh, he he's yeah. more like the I don't even know. He's just, just another a, character yeah, who was you know, trying to be honest. And craps stuff. on and his yeah, but then he turns on himself. him later on yeah. and they kind of start. Yeah. He was supposed to be the ghost of Christmas past, but Bill Murray's uh, pleaded so hard to get his friend to do it instead. Mm. So that's how Bobcat got oh. put in that other role. So gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, that's uh, that's I guess like again, great movie. If you haven't seen this, just funny. The the humor sprinkled throughout. It's it, but it's a good show. It's not it doesn't seem forced. Like it's topical. It's it's relevant to what's going on at the time. Um, so that's that's kind of what I've got to say about uh, Scrooge. And then the uh, the last movie that we are going to talk about is the FX version of A Christmas Carol. Uh, right away at the beginning of this movie, they talk about how this is a TVMA, mature adult, 
uh, violence, and I believe they even say that there's some nudity. So in terms of uh, most kid-friendly to least kid-friendly, we just did them in that order. Yeah. So this would be the least kid-friendly. Uh, there's sensitive. I don't like using this word just because I think it's overused, but triggering. There's some, oh, yeah. you know, there's probably some things that, but what I mean by that is I, there's some things that are sent, like some people might be like too relatable or might be hit some personal things that have happened in their lives. Sure. Uh, but that all being said, what you're, what you're witnessing is a period piece. So it does take place in the 19 or 1840s London. But it's a new, it's a fresh take on the story. So things that change, like you see, you're, it's almost told through Marley's point of view that he's visiting. He's actually visiting some of these ghosts prior, and there's there's a lot that's added to the story that isn't in the original book. Yeah, it was a three hour. The recording was three hours on right. TV, which means a lot of commercials. But yeah, and so they 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 decided to take a dark version. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit out of the book, some more, so just another kind of, a, a, a thing that gives more detail about who, a, a passage from the book about who Scrooge is, but you're just trying to show off that you can read so hey, well, aren't you? Some of us can. Jeez. Um, Mama so, says I'm special. <laughs> so this is, this is from that first chapter still, and they're setting up who Scrooge is. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his features, nipped at his pointed nose, shriveled his cheeks, stifled his gat, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in a granting voice. A frosty rim was on his head, and his eyebrows and wire in his wirely chin. Wirely chin. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. His ice, he iced his office in the, those dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. When I Holy that, cow. You see, the other versions don't really mimic those. Right. That, Point, those, paint that picture. Exa- well, I use those words spe- specifically, but yep. I remember hearing those as they were describing Scrooge. Right. I'm like, wow, that is eloquent. That is that paints the perfect picture of right. just a miserly old, miserable, right. money-driven human being. You know, if words could jump off a page oh, yeah. and paint a picture, this is what Charles Dickens did oh, in this man. book. So, setting that up because this, I think, is the. Not that the other versions didn't accurately represent Scrooge, but this version really captures the essence of it's a darker who version. Scrooge is. It's not comedy. This is a right. dark version. From the beginning, you see him, you know, and, and, and I like that they set it up, like I said, with with uh, giving a little bit like Bob Cratchit and his family. They're going the Sunday before Christmas. They're going to church. Hey, are you going to come out with us on Christmas Eve? No, I got to work. Like they're setting that all up and. I particularly love how Bob Cratchit is portrayed in this. It it feels like Bob Cratchit, like who you want Bob Cratchit to be. Poor this slug. feels like a guy who's very poor, very dedicated to his family, 
and only second is, is God, his family. The only thing that, that comes below those is his job, and he does want to do a good job. He, he realizes how important it is to, to keep his job. And you mentioned that the book was like separated into staves, as they yep. called it. They, they kind of did that with this, yes. too. They'd have a chapter black screen. One, and, yeah, chapter like two. the human beast. Yep. That was, I think that was the first chapter. Yes. And I, I just wanted to say about that. I actually wrote it. I don't, I don't agree with, because he, he mentions that he'd like a holiday where everyone, or, you know, one day of the year where everyone can tell everyone else what they truly think. Right. Like, like an emotional purge day. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is Scrooge talking. So he's talking nastiness, like all the negative things that I've been wanting to take out on you. And I don't agree with that. But having said that, as brutally honest as I tend to be on occasion or most of the time even, I did find myself somewhat agreeing, whether I don't know what this says, but with what sometimes feel like maybe possible forced phoniness or disingenuousness right. of the holidays. How many we tend to be so cold, self-absorbed, and unfriendly the rest of the year? You know how many His merry Christmases? How many merry Christmases are lies? Exactly, you know? and I mean, and we're trying harder that day, but we don't try the rest of the 364 days a year. As that was right. kind of his point, and I was like, yeah, I don't totally disagree right. and that's not i'm saying i'm just as guilty as anyone but right. we should try harder to be more like that every day of the year not just on christmas you know right um i love like i said the the dialogue at this opening scene i and this is why i i really like the first half of the movie a lot more than the second half and we'll get into why that was but the smudge so he goes he goes okay one piece of coal two three four and then he looks down at his sleeve and he sees that he's got a smudge from the coal on his sleeve. And he says, the smudge was definitely from that fourth piece of coal. It was definitely from kindness. Curse the jester. Yeah. And so you just, it's like with that little thing, you're like, holy, like this guy, like he, like he literally, he, he associates being kind as a weakness. He resents it. He yeah. resents being kind because it doesn't financially benefit him. He's more like, like. Sheldon Cooper mentions he's trying to be like emotionless. Right. I'm a robot. I'm, I think about it matter of factly. Yes. This. The, how can this? You know, it's calculated. He even delivers the line. You know, because Bob Cratchit, obviously trying to be humorous, trying to be lighthearted, he says, you know, when he gives him the ink because his is frozen, he goes, "Oh, so it's kind of like a Christmas present." And he looks at him and he goes, "If it was a Christmas present, I would have wrapped it in bows and I would have given it to you." And you would have gotten it, and you would have opened it up and said, oh, my gosh, a, a thing of ink. How lovely. And you, even if you didn't like it, you would have had to – you would have been obligated to – and he just, like, goes into these details. It's just, like, so well written. Even. Yeah. yeah. I like, mean, you can see the anger that he's gone through. Like, and that that's another thing. My mind usually goes, what happened to someone to make them this – dark and sinister oh and, and we find out oh and it, and it and yeah this this show more than any other really describes it but and that and it goes into that people piling on it causes such a person to justify their actions by the time they're that age like yep yeah i hate everyone because they hated me first right and now this is how i've learned how to be you know and that's just kind of the character and he portrayed it very well and exactly and i in nobody I've, I've always had this thing nobody exists in a vacuum in other words your past experiences shape who you are today. And this, this really dove and into more. And how you more. decide to become because of them. And I think that the Ghosts of Christmas Past actually had the lion's share of screen time. I was actually like, are they yeah. going to get to the other two? Yeah, like, there was I a lot of screen time for him. Yeah. They covered a it's lot a in, hour, his, in his past. 
and it felt like the last two were somewhat rushed yep. to me. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize it, and, and I don't know if it ever said it in the book explicitly that he was a copier. Cratchit was a copier, so that's what his job was. And they really explored that, and then maybe it was just for this version. But he was copying – obviously, there's no copying. He was copying documents for Scrooge that needed to be distributed to other business partners, other people that he was doing business with. That brings me to my next point, though. And I liked it the way that they portrayed Scrooge in this in this way because I could see this being a part of his personality. If you look at Scrooge and in, in the fact that one, he gets the smudge on his shirt, so he goes and has he's got three more brand new fresh shirts waiting in his office to change into for a smudge, a smudge on his on his um, not collar but a smudge on his uh, sleeve, sleeve or whatever. Or whatever. He's he has OCD. No one would even notice that. Right. He has OCD. He's he's a perfectionist, and he has anxiety. Yeah. Oh. What is the, the the reason why he does what he does and how he does it and the calculations and how, how he's thinking through everything in each minute detail, that is – it can't – and I am not a doctor, so don't – you know, I, I apologize for any misdiagnosis, but I can't – there's got to be OCD, there's got to be a level of perfectionist, and there's no way that this man could not be described other than he has anxiety. Well, like you said, everything is calculated. And, I mean, I've got some psychology background, as I've mentioned on this this podcast a lot. I would totally agree with that assessment. I, he just – that's what drives him to be who he is. He right. is calculating. He is robotic. I mean, that's – and it is based on OCD, and everything's got to be perfect, and, and you just – you're emotionless as a result of all those things. That's how you look at things, black and white, cut and dry. And I don't think anybody would describe me as Scrooge or the Grinch, but I can definitely relate to the anxiety part of that where you're looking at this, I need to it's do this stress. to do this. I need to understand this so that I can make the most well-developed decision about what I'm going and to that's, do. I mean, we all deal with that to some degree in our everyday lives. Right. But that's, it's stress. And like you say, stress and anxiety, basically the same thing. I mean – you're right. ang- I, I got to make sure I get this right, and that's, yeah, that drives a person to be kind of cold and forget that other people have feelings because you get so wrapped up in it. And in the book, they really dive into this more, and I think that there's other versions like the Robert Zemeckis version, which uh, is a, an animated version where Jim Carrey's the the plays Scrooge. They dive into it even more, I think, where basically it's like Charles, not Charles Dickens, Ebenezer Scrooge. Thinks about everything. To, at a certain point in his life, he started thinking about everything in terms of gain and loss. What is what is the chances of yeah. me? And so when Even he's having interactions with other people, he c- cuts it down like that. When he has that interaction with his past lover, the woman that we assumed he was engaged to, he even he he says, "Why why is this a bad endeavor? I'm endeavoring to do something." that I'm trying to make a life for it. This isn't a bad thing. How are you getting this confused? And she said, no, but you've replaced me with an idol. You've replaced me with a golden one. You've replaced what we used to be. And in, and I don't think you even look at our relationship as something that's, that's you know, very, you know, tangible or beneficial to you. Everything's of everything value. Everything is of value. You, you value. you You look at everything as having a Monetary value. Monetary units. This comes into a very dark portion of this movie later on. But he talks about love and how his, his nephew got, got married. And I, the line is delivered well. I don't know if it's in this movie or even in, in the Michael Caine version. But he says, why did you get married? And we find out later on, Scrooge's nephew was, for those of you who don't know what a nephew is, 
his sister's daughter or sister's son, right? Yep, yep. His sister died during childbirth, giving birth to his nephew. And he still resents him because of that. And that's part of the reason why he's so cold to him. He looks at the kid like he killed his sister. Like he killed his sister. But he says, why did you get married? And he says, well, I got married because I was in love, uncle. And he says, what a stupid reason. What a stupid thing. The more, the only thing more stupid than love is is Christmas. Christmas and being yep. married. And so it it's just. sums up his, his own outlook on life in general. Yep. I just want to um, also point out the fact that the coins on their eyes, that was a very old tradition. It was supposed to be, you know, when you pass into the afterlife that you have something to give. I don't know the name of the guy, but the guy who's going to bring you into the afterlife. Like a token. It's, yeah. it, you take those and you, you give them to him. So that kind of, they, they explored that a little bit more in this FX version. Um, like I said, the perfectionist, the OCD, the anxiety, he can't win. Bob Cratchit cannot win. He does it too perfect. And he gets mad at him because yep. he's like, clearly you had an agenda today. You wanted to do it as perfect as possible so that you could get out early. Yeah. What? So I, I do, I do something being, wrong. Why don't you do that every day? Well, and I, I don't know if that if that was what he was saying, but he even said something about how you misspelled this word. And he goes, he, as there he leaves, he says under his breath, I misspelled the word once five years ago and i haven't since it's yeah. like why do you bring this up yeah well damn but he just had he had to have something to talk Criticize, about yep um and they mention it they they use it in like his job his situation interchangeably but that's the way they use it in the book how would you like to lose your situation he talks about with the coal and with whatever like how would you lose like to use your job and i lose your job and i like that that's that old-timey english way of of, of describing oh, yeah things. it's a fancier way to say you're fired yeah um and he talks about he does talk about in the, and i forget how much detail they go into but they talk about the story of christmas and he he says well why did you know do you even know the story of christmas bob cratchit and like i said this this whole opening scene is just a mastery of dialogue but they talk about how well this is the reason why we celebrate at this time and 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 did you know that this was going on and this and bob cratchit seems unfazed he's like yeah so what if we don't know when jesus was born like what does that matter and and the point is he's trying to make a point like oh everything that you've done in your traditions are are just made up or they're just they're just you know built upon lies and he's like no but the the, the truth is still there like who cares the feeling what do you you, like the 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 idea the story of christmas hasn't changed the 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 savior was born everything that like just because we celebrated december 25th does not take away from the importance of this we had to celebrate it on some day just because we're we're you know going along or 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 basing it off of a pagan tradition does not take away in any means from what it means the meaning you know and the meaning behind it um and he's probably thinking what is a guy like you worried about that anyway you're scrooge for god's sake yeah um and yeah so i guess before i get even further into the the movie and, and what what's going on is there anything else with that opening scene that you wanted to cover? Because I, I, I want to get to the hint, the hint about the cousin from America that that's giving them money, which we realize it's actually Scrooge who gave them the money for the operation. But yep. um, no, I'm, I'm more, my notes are more focused on the darker stuff that comes okay. later on. Um, I like the line that his wife, his wife. Oh my god, oh my god, Mickey. Can you, we just comment for a second of how perfect they cast? Like I said, Bob, Bob Cratchit, but. His Mary Cratchit, 
I could not pitch like that is the woman that I picture yeah, being exactly. like more than Miss Piggy. Yeah. <laughs> like Miss Piggy's pretty good. Right. But yeah. But but the she, the way that she looks, the way that she carries herself, how she, the dialogue, the things that you were like, this woman intensely cares about her family and realizes the realities to of the point Florida. where she's willing to make a sacrifice she never thought she'd have. Right. To, to keep her family alive and keep her family safe. A, a dark like, secret she would never want to speak of to anyone, especially her husband. In terms of top literary and movie portrayals of a husband and wife and like what you would epitomize, like Mary and Bob Cratchit are at the top of my list. Love of, could like, not be any they, stronger. They, they are poor, but they love each other with such intensity that nothing is going to come between that and their well-being. And because of their downtrodden lives and stuff they can appreciate that they yeah. have that they're richer than anyone else money wise or not because and they have this strong love and that you can appreciate it more because of their dire situation exactly i don't know if you've ever made a christmas gift and that was the point that the ghost of christmas present was making but i don't know if you've ever made a christmas gift for somebody but first of all you appreciate it more I than was just a buying child, it off Tom. a shelf i used to make them all the time you appreciate the gift more than just buying it off a shelf or on the internet. Oh, exactly. They appreciate they appreciate it more, and that was the point that they're making. That on Christmas Eve they're making they're they're from memory, recreating a book. Which, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the guy that copies letters all day, like that's what you do. So I guess he could he's got a mind but like a steel trap, and it's just different back then. Yeah, exactly. They're they're making that, and I think that that the. It might have got it backwards, but one of them was help making the the ice skates, and one of them was basically copying a book from memory because yeah. they couldn't afford the book. Um, it just it how much paints blood, a picture. Sweat, and tears do you put into making something like oh that? God. I mean, yeah, like like and like you say, as a child, that's what you do, but right. Yeah. But they they just couldn't afford the big goose and everything. But the um, time that it took to make these particular gifts and how much they meant to them, you know, it was right. Um, but this is supposed to take place in the 1840s, so clearly after the American Revolution and everything that uh, – <laughs> but Bob Bob Cratchit's trying to thank his her cousin for the money in America and wants to send him a letter, this person a letter. And he miss – I forget the word that he misspelled or asked about the, the spelling of a particular word in the letter or, or the address. But it basically came down to was it one or two T's, and yeah. Mary says – they don't. There's only one tea. They don't care for teas. They drink coffee in America. Yeah, that's how she spins away from his question, <laughs> wondering what's going on. Oh my God! It's just like like in, like I said, we go, we'll get into it in a little bit. But um, and I think that he makes a statement at the beginning or the end of this chapter where he says, "Reality is a decision. I can choose to believe Marley's in front of me right now, or I can choose not to, because my reality is a decision." And it could be based on something I ate or something that I did. I like, yeah. Speaking of that, I like. I wrote a note that actually, I like how they kept emphasizing that the ghosts that he sees are illusions or hallucinations, mm-hmm. all in his head. Right. They kept making point of that. Hey, this is all his conscience coming up right. to the forefront, saying, "Hey, stop being a jerk." Uh, the something that'll come in right now before I start talking about it is the chapter chapter two with that that ghost of Christmas past. The fact that he talks about how – and he completely convolutes the story of Jesus, which uh, for those of you who don't know, the, the, the uh, three kings, the three wise men came after Jesus was born, like years after. So this is all completely convoluted, but he says, can you imagine 
these wise men riding a camel in the snow? That's just absurd. It's preposterous. It's just so ridiculous why anybody would believe this story. Not to mention that it's in the Middle East and it probably even wasn't even in winter, but it's so preposterous. And that leads me directly into chapter two. What do they do at the beginning of that when they go back in time? Alibaba, one of his characters that he reads about oh, in the yeah. book, ride a camel in the snow. Like yeah. it just basically, and they do that throughout the book too, is basically taking his words and just shoving it in his face and saying, see, this is why. This is the thing that you, this is your worldview and how preposterous you are to think these things the it's way that possible. you think. And it's, Alibaba was, that was a character, a right. book that he read as a kid, kind of like a stress reliever. He got himself yeah. lost in those books. But and is That's that, the background in this story that isn't necessarily in the other one. Right, it, that's that's a direct. Well, they talk about they mention him him by name in oh, the they book. Do. Yeah, oh, that he okay. like that he imagined that he was with Alibaba and on these adventures with the swashbuckling, you know, the sword. But that's a that's a direct one to one ripoff from Aladdin, right? I think Alibaba was a real character throughout history. But I'm saying Aladdin was based on that, right? I believe so. I think so. I don't know the the adventures of Alibaba. Based, yeah, at least yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. I, and it brings me to one of the two things that I really did not appreciate about this because I didn't – it's dark, and I and I get the emphasis that they're trying to do, but the whole scene where his – his his um, and I love the fact that his uh, his sister's packing heat. I love that, that he she's coming to defend him and take him away from this horrible situation. But I, I think you and I both interpreted this the same way, but – he was abused by his schoolmaster, and when we say Possibly abused, more than abused, molested, yeah. like they heavily hinted at the fact that sexual like, relationship. He had the schoolmaster had a deal with his dad that he would keep him. Now we don't know if the dad was aware of this, but this is to me. I love the dark humor. I love the other dark aspect. This not humor. Not well, humor. what I'm saying the dark like why you know was it a. Like dark humor, more than so, like satire, like, or like the sarcasticness and the yeah. dialogue that was going on before this. Yep. This felt like they crossed the line, and I get it. I get why they did it. They wanted to really emphasize the point that Scrooge came from a very, very dark upbringing. Oh, see, I don't know if I, I agree with that. And that, that, was that too far. I, would, I should have said this at the beginning. Mickey and I kind of had a, a different feelings about this movie as a way, but. To me, that that part was just a little too much. They could but have left it more implied, in your opinion. More implied, or I think they could have gone with it. Just he was abused physically. Sure. Like you could have seen a, a, yeah, a, a like a, a scene where like he got slapped, like kind of like the like the druggist slapping um, uh, uh, George Bailey. Like yeah. you could have implied that like he was just physically abusive, like even to the point where he was spanking him or something for like, and that would have directly that would have been enough to be like this is why. Ebenezer Scrooge is so anal. Like he was true. You know? Well, but but I think they were trying to. This is why he has such a cold, yes, hardened look on the world. Because yes, unfortunately, like again, back to my psychology background and my sister's a psychotherapist. Whenever you hear that someone's had hard times and they and they are abusing their own kids or that kind of stuff, it usually goes back to something in their childhood or even adolescence where they were raped or molested or abused. And they yeah. never were able to grow past it and realize that they don't need to keep those burdens and and be kept in that you know torturous room the rest of their lives. They can move on and realize yeah. it wasn't their fault, and that's what makes a person this hardened. I think so. This dark of a movie, 
I understand the emphasis. Maybe it could have been more implied. Yeah, and like I said, it, it's a touchy, it's a hard thing, and this is one of those triggering well, not a things fun that I'm subject to talk to about like in any to have. Yeah, and and they they don't. Maybe it was implied more in the book, and I just didn't wasn't aware of what he was trying to get past. But um, so I I want to read another another part that kind of plays into this. So so this is when the nephew comes over. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you, cried a cheerful voice. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew, who came upon him so quickly that it, it was his, at, this was the first imitation he had of his approach. Bah, said Scrooge. <laughs> Humbug. I like the emphasis. He also, he had so heated himself with the rapid walking in the fog and frost, his nephew of Scrooge's, that he was all in a glow. His face was ruddy and handsome. His eyes sparkled and his breath smoked again. Christmas a humbug, Uncle, Scrooge said Scrooge's nephew. You don't mean it, I'm sure. I do, said Scrooge. Merry Christmas. What right do you have to be merry? What reason do you have to be merry? You're poor enough. Come then, returned his nephew gaily. What right do you have to be dismal? What reason do you have to be morose? Morose. You're rich enough. And I just, I love that, and I post that, that line in like a picture like an old i think it might even be from the book on my facebook every every year around christmas time because i love that that he just turns it on his head like what reason why do you need to be so happy right now you're so poor you can't even barely pay for the things that you want for your family and he just turns it on him and says but what reason do you have to be so dismal what reason do you have to be so negative you're rich enough and i think that if we took that and we we think about that a little bit more in our own lives. We just live a happier life. Oh, um, exactly. Well, and I mean, the, the one premise is money doesn't buy happiness ultimately, right. but it can help. I mean, you can oh, buy you things. There's that will definitely make you happy. yes, yes. But his point is, is you have everything that a person could need, and you're still a miserable peckerhead. Right. You know, like there's no, there's no, there's not a direct court. There's, there's somewhat, there's things that make people's life easier, but there's not a direct correlation in a one-to-one sense that more money equals more happiness. No, but, and his point is you have no reason to not be happy. Yeah, why, why you do you – have all these resources like, and anything you're, you want. You're, you're digging on me for being poor and being happy. Why don't – yeah. You yep. should be happier than anyone. So I want to – but I want to go further into this, and we're going to jump ahead to Chapter 2 about how – and it's called The Human Heart where we, he goes through the ghosts of Christmas pres, or past – um, the, another very good scene, but very dark, and just the fact that that they brought this these these uh, these themes into this. So the whole the whole point of this version of a Christmas Carol is that Bob Cratchit and Mary Cratchit's son, Tiny Tim, he has a birth defect that he needs uh, surgery or he needs a, a doctor's attention, and that the it's expensive. So instead of going to his boss, Mary Cratchit comes to him and says we need this money we can work out a deal where you take a portion of his paycheck and he weighs it out and says you know this is this is not a good investment for me why would i ever agree to this it it would take six years for him with a minor uh in in, um, interest rate to even pay this back why would i ever agree to this what do you have to give me um he he even says i think he he mentioned it to mary while she's having this that Rich food in your diet caused the birth defect. I mean, come on. Like yeah, how food. how how just how just incredibly Blase. insensitive yeah. are you? Like no. Like and we obviously from you know medical developments and everything else the way that we understand birth and everything else 
this is no, 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 no. Like this is a genetic defect. There's no way that anything that she could have done in her life while she was carrying her her son that would have in any way impacted that. Especially eating. The insensitivity and the coldness that just comes that they really like even more emphasize the fact that he does not give a crap about anybody. Well, besides again, himself. that was beaten out of him with the horrible upbringing or, yeah. you know, that agreement. And just to that point, like you said about his sister Peck and he, it comes up later how much he realizes. How much well, he she, didn't realize that. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Later on. Oh my God, my sister. Stood she up for never me. said anything. She pulled me out. Yeah. She never took she credit. She pulled me out. But she, all of a sudden he's like, Oh my God, no one ever cared about me. Oh my God. My, my sister. Yeah, no one ever cared. Yeah. My sister was willing to kill a man to basically she because i forget she the line but she's the like was. if you come after i will shoot you right now yeah. I, she pulled a pistol she out literally and says, had a gun you she realized how horrible the situation her brother was in and said i am going to do what it takes to take my daughter my brother out of this situation which is uh, to that point the fact that sister knows how yeah. Screwed up a situation, and yet dad keeps sending the kid to that situation. <laughs> his dad, dad got care less, his dad obviously. got a discount on the yeah. you know for sister oh, knows yeah. what the, how screwed up the situation, but dad has no idea because he doesn't care. It's about getting rid of the kid and getting more money. And this movie, more than any other, kind of like touched on those extremes of what a human is willing to do to protect the people that they love. The line, and I like I I didn't I because I watched it live. Um, I wasn't able to pause and, and rewind or whatever, but the line that um when to go back to basically essentially what mary cratchit is assuming is that uh that uh ebenezer screws is going to give her the money for the surgery if she has sex with him that's kind of the whole thing that's implied that's what she thinks is going to happen and so when she the at the end it's just he's got this sick like human experiment thought experiment that it's he's trying a, to do he, he just wants social to see experiments he, basically. yeah he wants to see what a person is willing to what do push in order to protect her family or, or pay for what like what what price do you, everybody has a price and so what he is had your no price? intentions of sleeping with her no but he just he watched her get undressed he let her get to that point oh, and then he almost said, undressed yeah, yeah. She, but i mean yeah. in shame she's slowly like pulling she's it off, like crying as she's hating yeah, the whole yeah. moment and then he kind of says oh see See, even you have a price. Right. That's like, basically, like, basically like, I'm spitting on you. Like, you, you're willing to do this dirty thing yeah, that I have, no, I have no interest in. On yeah. Christmas, you will come over here and cheat on your husband in order to, like, you have a price and this is your price. But before that, before he reveals that he's not going to do that, she says, she delivers this line, like I said, just so well written. She's such a good actress. I weigh my pride against my baby's life in the scale of breaks my pride is not even close not even on the same scale as my baby's life and i i I will do whatever it takes to keep my my son alive everything about me i will give up anything else is is just it's it's yes i am willing to bargain that so yeah i guess before and and as we do with most movies that are or most episodes that are through we're already at almost over an hour and a half so, or about an hour and a half. So, um, I think, well, there's the chapter three. Um, they, they use the same language, types of language in this, and just want to make a general point, that they use the same types of language that Dickens would have used, even though it wasn't direct lines from the book. No, but it's more eloquent. They, they, yeah, they use the same. Of that time. Um, and I think, I think what I was going to say is Vanette Robinson, the woman that, I think it's a woman that plays mary cratchit she's in star wars she's oh, really? pilot 
t- she's in the I new one. I think I do one. recognize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, and so so yeah, I guess in in terms of kind of wrapping up this this movie, there's a lot of complicated things that happen with you know the whole dichotomy of you know Bob Cratchit not knowing the deal that his wife did in order to get the money and and that whole complicated set of things, and it just. To me, it just kind of ended in a way that it didn't feel like they never delivered the line of, I don't think they ever delivered the line, God bless us, everyone. Like, I, I don't know, maybe Tiny Tim. Like, it just. Uh, he said something along those lines. It was lines. just a little too different for me. More dark. Than, than, than I would have liked. So, I, like I said, I really enjoyed the first half of the movie and everything that, you know, the apparition of his, his dad and killing the mouse and everything else that went along with that. But, um, and, I, and I guess I'll read. A last little bit that wasn't isn't always in surprisingly the only version that i've been i've found excuse me the only version that i found that actually addresses this and I, I, we studied this book actually in one of my high school classes and we actually asked the, the teacher to to review this book instead of whatever this the lesson was and she made an emphasis on this so i, I want to make an emphasis on this just because the only version that i know of is the robert zemeckis version that actually addresses this um and I know, but I know that there's other versions that do. Um, so she, he he uh, he's he's addressing the ghost of Christmas present right before he you know goes under the ghost of Christmas uh, future. He says, "Forgive me, I'm not justified in what I ask," said Scrooge, looking intently at the spirit's robe. But I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirt. So at the bottom of his robe. Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for the flesh there is upon it, was the spirit's sorrowful reply. Look here. From the foldings of his robe he brought forth two children. Wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at his feet and clung upon the outside garment of the ghost of Christmas present. Oh man, look here. Look, look down here, explained the ghost. There was a boy. They were a boy and a girl. Yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, to prostrate to, in their humility, they were graceful youth. Were graceful youth should have filled their features and touched them. It was freshest tint, a stale and shriveled hand that, like of age, had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat and thrown, devils lurked and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no provision perversion of humanity in any grade though all the mysterious of the wonderful secretion of monsters half so horrible and dread so i'm gonna skip ahead the point that i want to say is scrooge startled back appalled having them shown to him in this way he tried to stay to say they were fine children but his words choked themselves and rather than the parties of a lie of such enormous magnitude spirit are there yours and i should have just cut this down to this part but i'm sorry scrooge could say no more they are man's said the spirit looking down upon them and they cling to me appealing from their fathers this boy is ignorance this girl is want beware of them both and all of their decree but most of all beware of this boy for on his brow i see the written which is doom unless the writing is erased deny it cried the spirit so the whole point and what i wanted to read is that is there's two little kids that are ignorance and want and that you're trying to emphasize this is man's downfall that 
ignorance and want, and I, I've read too much, and I've, like I said, we're going way too too long on this already, but I wanted to emphasize that's part of what Charles Dickens wanted to get out, is that if you focus on want, and, and really that comes alongside it is your ignorance of the world and the way the world really is, you're going to have bad things happen to you. And well, that's, focus and on what you do have, not what you don't have. Right. And I, I'm again, I'm sorry for reading so much of the book, but it just I wanted to emphasize that part of Everybody's it. proud that you have that ability to read. Ugh. And I was really? even stumbling over the old English. Well, I think that's why Shakespeare's really tough to read for me. Um, but yeah, any, anything else as far as, like I said, we could we could cover a lot more of this movie. Well, this was a three-hour movie. I, I like that it was black and white, you know, kind of like you said, based on the time. Um, and the cinematography, as far as like portraying hell when they're down right. there, it was amazing. I thought it was really well done that yes, way. And stuff yes, like yes, that. yes, 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 yes. So, purgatory and... Yeah, 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 I mean, they just, they, they portrayed it, you know, as far as the picture, it was really done, done well, I thought. Um, the only other thing I, you know, my sick mind came up with was at the end when... Jacob Marley's talking to Ebenezer. They're they're sitting up against the gravestones. Yeah. And yeah. right before then, uh, I think Bob Cratchit's or somebody comes up and pees on the grave of. Yes. And the, and then yeah. you see you see Jacob Marley sit right there. I'm like, he just sat and pee. I know he's a spirit, yeah. but still, you think you'd be a weird. Well, that was what was dripping on his head at the beginning of the yeah, movie. Yeah, while he's in the grave. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, and that that kid. I don't know if you caught who that kid was. I, I can't remember his. I think it was his brother and mom or brother and dad died in that yeah, mind collapse. I knew it was a, a so he was basically like person. F you Jacob the, Marley. And he visits that grave every, every year. Every year on Christmas Eve or Christmas Eve to like pee the, on his the, grave. the the uh, the anniversary of his death, yeah. And that is how the movie starts with P tripling or tripping, yeah. tripling Onto down his, his coin the eyes on his yeah. Yeah. And, and in the and actually in the book he actually take <laughs> Scrooge cuz he's so cheap. He takes those coins off, he, oh, and sure. he, he looks at the the mortician. He says, "He doesn't need them. Yeah. I'm gonna take. I paid for this that funeral. Makes sense, He's yeah. gonna. Uh, I'm. These are these are mine. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's. I guess kind of like I said. I would like to dive more into that someday. But it's just such a. There's a lot going on. There, I think we hit on the high points and and more so than the other two books or the other two movies. But those are the things that I really wanted to touch on in terms of what was important about this book. There's so many good lines. There's so much. If you have the time, take the time to re- go find a copy. I mean, it's pretty much free online nowadays because it's such an old book. But um, that's all I've got to say about Christmas Carol. We need to get one fan mail. Oh, yeah. Um, you might recognize her name, Abby. Uh, so we had a long episode. With as her long as we it. can do this, and like I said, we're running a little bit longer uh, than usual. But uh, That was long... a two-part episode that she was our guest on. <laughs> right. Um, as long as we're, we're reading uh, fan mail, I'm just going to read this whole thing. So... That's the title is New Year equals New Fandoms. Happy New Year's, guys! Happy New Year, guys! Before getting into the the new, I have to take some time to reflect on the old. I can pretty much guess anybody wants to guess what she's gonna talk about. Yeah. Uh, which brings me to your last podcast of the year, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm finally finished listening to it, and I'm happy to hear others have the same reaction I had. It's hard to go into a movie that's supposed to wrap up decades long saga without expectations but that was the only way you could truly enjoy it okay so abby's just about to summarize this movie better than we were in the la- the whole hour or three what what is it hour of of, of a podcast we that we did hour, yeah. um as i told monty the movie felt like a non-stop sprint i was frustrated with the moments that were profound and seemingly had rich source material were given as much screen time as an incomplete plot lines 
Remember Finn saying he needed to tell Ray something they were when they were sinking in the pit? They brought up the line again with Poe interrogating Finn about what it, it about it, and yet they never actually finished that line. No. That got about as much screen time as Princess Leia's death, which she's saying both of those needed more. J.J. Abrams had since told us that Finn was going to tell Ray that his, he was Force-sensitive. Honestly, that would have been a great thing to dive into and start a breadcrumb trail for where Star Wars could go now that all the Skywalkers are dead, are all dead. I'm still bitter about that. Like, really? They Like, they really couldn't let one live? Jerks. The, the third act was too late to introduce all of the new worlds and the characters, especially since it shoved aside already established characters. I didn't need a new droid or a new love interest to make sure Poe and Finn didn't look gay. Yeah, we mentioned that. <laughs> well, not for that reason, but we mentioned that. Yeah, there was a lot. There was like a love quadruple triangle, whatever. Uh, they already had Rose and rose tico at least johanna's story was a good plot because it showed other stormtroopers leaving the first order i kind of wish they would have used finn's story as an inspiration for why other stormtroopers left or maybe even developed a spy network for the resistance that's a good that would have been cool yeah. uh general huck's character as a spy felt forced i i felt like that too um and as a character reduced to almost as much as rose tico's since he basically replaced general pride and zoro bliss unnecessary i I wanted more from Lando, but I digressed too much already. In the end, and this is what we've been saying all along, in the end, we got an exciting adventure and an ultimate good versus evil showdown. It was an enjoyable movie, and I will likely watch it again, even though they didn't have any Baby Yoda. <laughs> now, on to the new. There are a bunch of movies coming out this year from Wonder Woman, Birds of Prey, fingers crossed DC actually gets that right, and Black Widow and Milan's Sonic's big screen debut, and a new Bond film. There are streaming services like shows with shows like the new Star Trek Picard and Lizzie McGuire, in parentheses, are we reliving my childhood? And I know you've got mentioned uh, some rumbles of new Marvel series that might even, and an, even another Star Wars series, so many opportunities to fangirl. I want to know which, one of you, which ones you guys are most excited about. I can't wait to hear more from you two in the upcoming year. So thank you, Abby, for sending yeah, that. that. Was a great um, I'll let uh, I'll let because I've because I've talked too much already, and we're we're creeping up on almost a two-hour podcast. Oh, yeah. um, I'll let Mickey start out. What what are you most? This is how we're gonna end it. What are you most excited about in the upcoming year? Uh, as far as you know, Marvel movies, or are we talking specifically, or what are we? And just in general, any any new movies, TV shows, books, I, I, music. I'm interested in seeing where the Star Wars is gonna go. I believe there's gonna be more movies and. Um, other series, hopefully they compare with The Mandalorian. Otherwise, like Black Widow's coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, in movies, um, I'm, you know, I'm kind of just fly by the seat of my pants as far as that stuff. I mean, you're usually more in tune as to what's coming up, but uh, anything Marvel, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Like, say Black Widow, and I'm not sure what's coming up after that, but so just to you, what do you think? Yeah, it? last year, uh, and I'm saying, and you're probably like, why are you talking about this, but I do have a point, I promise. Last year, uh, we bought one of those popcorn buckets where you bring it in and you get a $4 large popcorn after that every time. And we definitely got our money's worth out of it this year because I think we saw more movies. My wife and I saw more movies than we have in any past years. Um, My wife asked me again this year, hey, because she was going to go to a new movie, I think, this, this coming weekend. Hey, should we buy another one of these buckets? Do you think it'll be worth the money? And I told her some of the same movies that Abby just said. I said, 
you know, all the Marvel movies, the DC movies coming out. I said, so yes, <laughs> I, I plan on going to a lot of movies again this year in the theater. Cause I, I, at this point I'm so fully invested in the Marvel movies. I need to go see the, I think the Eternals is, is one of the one coming out at the end of this year and Black Panther. I would probably want to see Birds of Prey. I think that's going to be really good. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, Black Panther, I'd like to see. I too. think I there's an, I thought that. there was another DC movie coming out. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought there was one more. Oh, was it not Flash? There was, I think there was one more DC. Anyways, the point being, yes, there's a lot coming out. It's definitely worth it. I'm excited. I'm excited more so for Black Panther just because I don't know much about the Eternals, and I don't know that storyline. But I'm interested in how they connect that to the rest. Because they're in, they're in a new saga now, really. Um, they're going to have to introduce new characters, and they're yeah. going to have to have them kind of tie like in. Like Star Wars would be doing if they, once, if they figure out what they're going for. But the movie that I think I'm most excited for is Black Widow and then um, Birds of Prey. I think Margie Robert is an excellent choice for Harley Quinn, and I'm excited to see where that where that goes. Oh, yeah. um, uh, I don't I don't know if there's been any – help us out if anybody knows. Is there any – talks of stranger things having another season this year or they, that might heard. i know they're they're signed on for another two or three more seasons so i, I don't know if it's this year or next year but i would think it's coming around because they go longer than a year it seems between yeah. seasons but yeah it probably a 2021 all right we're gonna stop talking now yeah, so that you guys we, we didn't th- definitely didn't think it was gonna take this long but uh hope you appreciate it let us know if you got any questions and you know uh As we always like to say, getting old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Thanks, guys. What's going on?